0: Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. This space was created for black men to feel empowered and know it's okay that they can cry too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> New York. I can't, I can't hear anymore. <laughs> y'all got me, y'all got me slooshed out here.
0: <laughs> well, thank you all for sitting down for a special out of New York edition of Black Men Cry 2. First time on the West Coast. Very excited to be in Portlandia with some of my favorite Portland people. Let's start off by left side. That's you, in case okay. you're curious. Yeah, okay, you know, help you out a little bit. Thank you. Just if you can start with your name,
2: how long you've been in Portland and why you came to Portland.: Okay. Um, hello. my name is Alfia. <laughs> I've been me. in Portland for 10 years. Ten years and since I since when.: Since 2022.: No, sorry, 2012 <laughs> to now, till present. <laughs> um, and I came for a job, a corporate job.:. When you're uh, I work at Nike. Why do you say it like came, that? I came, for, I, came a, I came for a corporation. Job. Like, <laughs> I'm sure. okay. I came to work at Nike in design out of college. Out nice. of college. So out of college been here nice. since out of college. Since I've, I've been here, since out of college. Oh, that's dope. Yeah.
3: I'm Alicia. Um, I'm not here for 10 years, but 10 months.
4: <laughs> hey. <laughs> we'll love
3: it. 10-10. Um, and I also moved here for work. I uh, work for Jordan. Design.
4: Uh
1: my name is Ian Williams. Uh, what was I supposed to say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long you been in Portland okay. and what brought you to Portland? Okay, so we got this 10 years. We got 10
1: years you've been here, 10 months, and we moved here when I was 10 years
5: old.
0: 10, 10, 10. Okay. okay. That's nice. a number love today. That. I'm playing lottery I today. 10, 10, ten wow. yep.
5: That means we're going to throw it all the way off. There's yeah, no chance yeah. involved. <laughs> uh, DJ Ambush, um, been here since 2016. And moved here for a change of pace, quality of life.
0: So yours was by decision.
5: Oh, absolutely.
0: Huh. And what made you decide Portland? Did you research on
4: it?
5: So I was actually, um, my current fiance, like I had a previous fiance. My fiance uh, is a Portland original. She's from here. Her best friend went to school in Philly, went to Temple. So we were cool, like, you know, back in the day. And uh, she was like, we're talking like MySpace days. And she was like, "Uh, "Yeah." She was like, "Oh, you remind me of my friend Morgan in Portland." And we got cool and started talking, and then um, we went from friends to dating, and we dated long distance for four years. And in that process, I'm over here like two, nah, be realistic, six times a year at least. And then she was doing the same thing, going back and forth. And she said it like after like my fourth trip, she said, "You're gonna want to stay out here." I'm telling you, it's like your whole vibe is Portland. You're gonna want to stay here. I'm like, you're.
4: Bugging, i
5: never move out here. You're tripping, and um, I just hit that point in my life where it was like, you know, for my kids at the time, my two youngest were nine and ten, and we was in Darby. It's wild. It's for vicious. those who don't know where
0: Darby is. Can we talk about where you Darby came? is
5: a Philadelphia suburb, not okay. too far from where I grew up in Chester, PA, which is also a Philadelphia suburb. But Derby was wilding. Like, it's cul-de-sacs, but it's things going down in the cul-de-sacs. Like, it was, it was just... <laughs> so just, like, <laughs> just looking at the overall perspective, like, okay, we don't have to be here. You know what I'm saying? My whole family has been on the East Coast. We're used to being in Philly and D.C. and all of that. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to be here to thrive. And the artist community here, just, like, really embraceive and and just, like, really supportive. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Pack everything up. And I'm out here.
0: Well, super congratulations super. for all y'all still making it out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, 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 and, and
5: we're gonna, we're gonna 10, 10, 10. We're going to find a 10 for you. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah I was yeah.
0: examining yeah. it. Yeah. My I daughter that was 10, 10. 10, yes. When we
5: moved out. There oh, there we go. There it is. Wow. 10,
0: 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Telling mm-hmm. you lottery numbers. I've been here for 10 <laughs> minutes. That's going to be nah. my 10 know, contribution like, to this. I was like,
1: 10 hours?
0: 10 hours, 10 days. Maybe total 10 days since both of your trips. Yeah. So, Ambush, you came from Philly. Right. You want to talk about where you relocated from, Althea and Alicia? Sure. Althea sure. first. I,
2: I went to school. Where'd you went, go to school? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Philadelphia University. Oh hey. my God, that's what so goodness. crazy. I feel like I went to that school too. <laughs> <My God. laughs> we all went to the same school. <laughs> um, and actually, I did textile design there. So my background's kind of like in fine arts and print and pattern, knits, wovens never thought I would come to Portland, didn't know where Portland was, didn't even really honestly know the sneaker industry. Um, But I had a really cool guidance counselor who we kind of like had some things in common, like his dad played professionally, my dad played professionally. And so I think we just had a connection. He was like, you know, I think you would really be good, like in the um, sort of like performance sort of like realm because i was like maybe i'll go to new york and do fashion he was like no <laughs> 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 and so i said okay and so um my immediate thought was under armor because it's home i'm from maryland and um yeah so we just had like a a college fair literally it was like under armor nike 15 minutes like let's try this out mm. sat down with the recruiter at nike it worked out
3: I'm here. So yeah,
1: that's, 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 the way that everybody wishes that it right. would work. Seriously. Yeah. as yeah. yeah. though, yeah.
3: yeah. Very seamless. Um, I'm from Philly too. Went to Philadelphia university without the cat Britt. Um, but I moved here from Switzerland. Um, I just moved to Portland specifically in August. Um, but I was away for like six years and Portland again on, as an East coaster, I didn't really know about Portland outside of like Nike. Um, but I knew I wanted to eventually work for Nike and it happened and it was like a long journey I felt. Well, not really, it felt like a long journey, but it felt very microwaved once they were like, all right, you got job, you, you come in. So I moved my life back to America in June, but then moved to Portland in August. So, um, for work. So it's been like a, an interesting transition this year that I'm still in transitioning.
0: In which I wanted to sort of touch base on, you had said the vibe here is kind of what kept you here. Mm-hmm. And now, Ian, since you've been here since 10, can you give us a little background on what was the vibe before 2012, yeah. before the first person in this group landed here? What was the vibe? What was the culture? And especially, was there a black culture? Was there a black vibe?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, to be specific, uh, I grew up in Hillsborough, Oregon. So I grew up um about thirty, forty-five minutes, depends on how fast you're driving, what kind of traffic you got uh from where we are right now. We're in like downtown-ish uh area of Portland. So I grew up like, you know, where I was I was telling y'all earlier where I grew up it was uh Intel was the main draw aside from uh agriculture and and just farms and people growing flowers and blueberries and hazelnuts and stuff like that. Like majority of the hazelnuts that people eat come from here. Like it's crazy. Oh, wow. We actually have like a lot of agriculture stuff in Oregon. It's kind of, it's, it's crazy. But the, but where I grew up, I mean, it wasn't abnormal for me to be called the N word cutting the grass. Um, we we're the only black family in the neighborhood. Uh, one time I was out riding scooters with my homie, you know, we used to be out there on the, on the razor scooters, just, you know, smacking it. Uh, and it was like 10 o'clock at night and the police pulled up on me and my friend. Oh, and, you? uh, uh probably eleven or twelve no wow. probably thirteen. I don't wow. know, somewhere in that zone. Um and they pulled up and they were like, Mr. Williams, what are you guys doing out here? And uh I was like, you know, answered the question, said we scoot riding scooters, clearly. Um, and then they were like, you guys gotta have lights and you need to go home. We we're like, all right, cool. Police officer left and then my friend was like, how does he know your name? I was like, dog, this is just my life. Like mm. I don't I don't actually I've never met this person before, mm. that officer, right? So I mean that that was the That's the way I grew up. But for me, I also understand that that's the way that it was gonna be. So it never, I guess it's not that it never bothered me. I just had accepted it really early, Mm. uh, like real young. Um, So Mm. I I don't know how different it is now. I haven't lived in Hillsborough in a long time. My mom still lives there in the same house. Mm. Everybody knows that that's my mom's house but they don't know my mom. Mm. Uh, Mm. More people know my mom here because of the coffee shop and my mom does a lot of work around mental health. uh more specifically around addictions um but the but yeah I mean I don't every time I go I still see it as the same place I see more black people there's always a lot of Mexican people um but I don't yeah I just don't know there's any any different Mm. yeah
0: did you ever feel like it was almost um uncomfortable like a target on your back that everyone knows who you guys are without knowing who you are for
1: sure yeah I mean they're to to be honest, when I, I was hanging out with some knucklehead kids when I was uh, in sixth grade, you start middle school in seventh grade here. So I was hanging out with some bad kids. We started stealing. Um, my mom put me in private school to watch me. Um, and But the grocery store that I was stealing from, I could never go back in again. And I actually tried to tell my mom, uh, <laughs> I tried to tell my mom, like, my mom worked from before I got up. And she was home when it was, when I probably should have been in the bed, like around like 11 o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. So even though I have an older brother and sister, I was, I grew up like an only child. Cause I was, it was mainly just me in the house uh, by myself for a majority until my brother had a son and then my brother lived and then he lived in the house and I took care of my nephew. who is was actually Nori who manages that stock or manages Concourse, a new shop. But I remember I got in trouble. I was out at the grocery store and I was, and I was like, I was good at stealing. Like I was really good. <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm not even lying. Like I was great. And I hadn't been caught for a long time. And, uh, I was at the grocery store, took like a soda, some stickers and like a sandwich or something like that. And, uh, and. It's
0: sandwich for me. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Hey, the
1: sandwich? hey, listen, uh, when I got caught, I was like, Hey, you guys, but like, first they was trying to stop me. I was like, y'all leave me alone. Then they said they was gonna call my mom. All black people. I was about know. To say, that's a yeah, God, and oh, even, I was that booty hole starts yeah. tripping yeah. like uh, anything yeah. by yeah, her. Yeah, I was like, yeah. dog, anything else? Like, please, <laughs>
0: anything by her. Uh,
1: and like the <laughs> the police officer showed up. They had me in handcuffs. I was up in the office. They took a photo of me with the stuff. Put me on the wall of people Ooh. who can never come back again.
4: With the uh, sandwich. With the,
1: with everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even get no bite. Nothing. Employee um, of yeah, employee of the yeah. month for sure. <laughs> like, every month for the next forever. Um, but the but I I got home before my mom got home, they had already called. Mm. I didn't think to like check, the, I wasn't like that smart. I didn't think to like check a voicemail or nothing. Um, but when my mom got home and she got home early that day, I told her, man, mom, this crazy thing happened at the grocery store. Uh, they thought it was me stealing, yeah. but it was somebody else. My mom was like, ain't no other black people out here. Aww. What do you mean that somebody else? Yeah. Uh, and I think that happened in like February of whatever year it was. Uh, And I got grounded until the end of the year. And then I wasn't allowed to have soda or read a magazine uh, until until the end of the year. And we had an exchange student that summer and he wouldn't do anything unless I did it. And he wanted a Pepsi. And my mom poured him a Pepsi. And then she poured what I thought was a Pepsi. And I was like, yo, I'm in there. I'm about to have a Pepsi. It's been like five months. I took a sip. That was brown Pepsi water <laughs> oh. and my mom was like, drink your soda Ian, or else he won't drink his. And I was like, man. Wow. Yeah, my mom,
0: hey, you know, mm. mean, mom, I'm good now. i good now. now yeah. Yeah. She created it. She made a real one. <laughs> yeah. That's on top of boys. Definitely, wow. yeah. I would have cried tears. I need yeah. full of tears. I that can't fake this mom. Oh, yeah.
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I answered whatever the question
0: was. (laughs) No. So basically it was just trying to figure out like what black culture would have been, um, around the time of you growing up, but it seems like it wasn't really there. Yeah. Do you feel like you guys had to create culture or like, where did you guys look for inspiration or feeling connected to culture?
1: For, I don't know. For my family. I don't know. Um, my brother worked in tech, uh, and so there wasn't a lot of black people, maybe African people, but not a lot of black people. And mm-hmm. as black people, we know that black people, the African people aren't the most fond of black people sometimes. So maybe there was <laughs> I love the people. Sometimes. Sometimes. sometimes, sometimes that doesn't mean always, but sometimes, uh, uh, and my sister was a chef and then, uh, got married and was a stay at home mom. So I, I don't, both of those sides and she married, she had, she already had two children that were fully black and then married a white man and then had, has mixed children. And I mean, they're still here, thankfully, but the, but I I don't know about that side really at all. Um, I can tell you something now, but still it's not that much, but for me, it was, uh, it was TV. You know, I'm from, I'm from Virginia from that's where the greatest basketball player of all time. Allen Iverson is from, uh, my family's from Philly. (laughs) Uh, so I'm a huge Sixers fan. Uh, and then he went and played for the Sixers. And so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Yeah, behind the scenes. Get that love. Yeah, thank <laughs> you, Britt. Uh,
0: and so. It's too much Philly right now. Hey. Hey. I, mean, I, I feel, mean, I feel a little unsafe. I, mean, I, I feel like I knew what you, you knew. What you fine. Were. My New York ass is oh, like, I'm a little scared.
1: you <laughs> don't got to be uneasy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't worry. I'm from. I'm pretty much from out here, though, so you're good. Yeah. I'll defuse the situation. Um, but for me, it was like bas- basketball was was me. And so whatever Iverson was doing and my mom being drug and alcohol counselor, Alan Iverson having some history. My mom hated that I was an Iverson fan, mm. but but how how individual he was in the sea of everything else in the league. Yeah. That was me here. And so whatever he did, I was doing. Free throw line, three dribbles, spin the ball backwards, shoot the shoot the free throw. I'm doing it. My jump shot the same. I got one pair of shoes a year. It was always Iversons. Like everything, Allen Iverson oh, is was my life. That's tight. It still is a lot of my life. That's and tight. and even him, old head now, mentoring young people, yeah. that's my life. Yeah. And so Aww. and so just like everything, that that was where I learned a lot of it from. So I was in the sneakers. I but like I knew sneakers because that's what. Everybody who's in the streets was doing back in Newport News, mm. you know, and so that my life, I just mm. knew that I was always going to be my own thing. And I was OK with that because I saw somebody else who I looked up to that was OK with that mm. Mm. and he wasn't going to let it change. That's and terrible. so I just was like, you good. I'm good. Y'all think I'm y'all think I'm crazy. That's cool. Y'all think I'm dumb. That's fine. Like, I don't I don't care. I'm still going this way. You can come with me if you want. But this, this is the direction I'm going.
0: I love that energy. So I'm going really quick for that yeah. energy. That was beautiful. That's right. Althea, now you've been here for 10 years. Yes. What was the vibe or the culture like when you landed here in Portlandia? Mm. I have to think about that. It was especially black culture. Did you feel like you
2: found it? How was it? Was it present? It was interesting. I th- Now that I think about it, because I think for me, like Portland, my first experience with Portland was Nike. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a black culture in there that I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. Um, and then I think also like Nike is so big. So mm-hmm. just so you see somebody like across a courtyard doesn't mean that that's community. Um, and also how people perceive you and all these different things. Cause I think there's definitely like, uh, a different vibe like east coast west coast how you conduct yourself how you present yourself that sort of thing Real so it's how you pronounce them yeah we even just water. where you're what going like I literally so I remember water. one day being in campus and this guy was like I know you're not from here because you don't say I know nobody you just go where you need to go and I'm like I thought that was my job <laughs> 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 um but so I think like after I kind of felt like I got maybe more acquainted at my work i felt like okay now it's time like what else is kind of out here in portland um and for me i kind of felt like the first thing that i noticed is i felt like there is a black community but they don't feel seen Mm. and if you talk to people that actually like grew up here they'll be like no you don't understand like like my neighbors were black like my babysitter was black. All of these people were black. Like we are here, we were here. So I think for me initially, I was like, oh, like you guys, like it's a, cause it's a different feeling. It's a different perspective that I didn't really have. Um, but I, I definitely think the more that I'm here, the more that I empathize with that. And I understand that. So mm-hmm. do you think- feel like as a black woman, it was
0: easy to, or was it complicated to sort of like make connections with other black
2: people in general? I do, I do. And to be honest, I think for me, like I'm still kind of like unpacking that and realizing that because you also don't realize, I think until maybe the last two years, there really isn't a lot of, not just black people, but black women. And so until I started seeing like other black women and realizing and making that distinction between the two you're like and getting that validation from other women too like yeah it's not just me it's not just me like we've said this in our own little corners <laughs> but now there's a bigger corner and and that 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 helps that makes you feel like okay like I'm sane so and do you
0: feel like um with the other black women Or black people in general that you're meeting are they more transplants or are they more like actual natives or do you find like a
2: nice split in between the two that's a good question i think most of the black women i have met have been transplants yeah i think they've been transplants
0: and now I'm going to throw it to you, Ambush. So you came in 2016, four Mm -hmm. years after Althea. Mm -hmm. Would you say you also had the same experience or was it starting to progress more into seeing more black people out here? You were talking about vibe, artists, and like it seemed like when you got here, you fell right into a community.
5: Yeah, very easily. So, yeah, moved out here in 2016, but was visiting since 2012. Um, And because uh, my partner was an anchor, you know, and is a black woman here in, in Portland, but is also mixed. So I'm interacting with all types of people when I got here, but then also having my background in entertainment and me being a DJ for so long, when I touched down, that's what I was doing. So mm. I'm in the clubs already. Like there were certain venues you we were already hitting just me visiting. So I had community from the rip. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't know how white Portland was
4: mm. until like, so we did. A, um, That's did, interesting.
5: Yeah. We were doing the, um, I'm going to say this is maybe 2014 or 2015, uh, I was doing a series of MF doing tribute parties. So we were in our third year, we did a tour. So we did Philly, New York and Portland, which is an excuse to come see Morgan. So we were on, um, it was me and like three or four of my homies on um, Alberta. And this reporter from Al Jazeera like flagged us down. and was like, yo, this is the most amount of black people we've ever seen all day out here. Like a group, like, where are y'all from? What, what's How going on How big was right the now? group? Four of us. Wow. Yeah deadass. It was four of us. She said, oh, I didn't.
2: We the last time we were together oh, in yeah, Portland. yeah, that was. People was that would always there? call that a stop. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So then um, <laughs> she was interviewing us and, like, during an interview, two of my homies were like, oh, yeah, we've been counting black people since the airport. And I was like, what? We've what been counting,
0: counting black people since <laughs> like, the airport. About? Wow. And
5: then she was like, Portland is the whitest city in America. And I never, like, to me.
0: Is that an actual fact? It is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to yeah.
5: me, it felt like a Philadelphia suburb. Like, it felt like I was in Ardmore. It felt like Springfield. It felt like some places I'm used to being around. So yeah. it was just like, oh, it's mad clean. And it didn't really hit me. <laughs> it didn't really hit me until I went to like a Target, right? Oh, yeah. And or like a Safeway, and we not even on the registers. There's no black yeah, people yeah. Even, a like, like in support. Point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And in facilities. I was yep. like, oh
0: shit, this is crazy. not even security.
5: No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I definitely uh, don't feel safe
0: then. Right, right.
5: Mm-hmm. It was, it was wild. And but then, like, you start having those feelings where you see a black couple, you're like, uh, what's up? you, you just, you gotta say what's mm-hmm. up. Yeah. You have to say what's up. Like, how do you not? But um, as far as like it feeling um, like overwhelmingly white to me personally, and just you know having to build community. Fortunately for me, it was it was pretty organic. Yeah, but uh, I'm constantly reminded. Uh, when I leave Portland proper and you're 15 minutes outside of the city and you start seeing uh, flags, Confederate flags and things of that nature. And there's a different air about it. Um, the racism here um, is a little more passive aggressive. Mm. Uh, and then it goes from passive aggressive to just full aggression. There's no, no none of that in between. Mm-hmm. Whereas East coast is, it's that in between, mm-hmm. but there's still some clear lines on the East coast. Like you just, They're going to treat you weird. You already know what it is when you pull up. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, do you guys ever feel like there's an obligation? Like you had mentioned, when you see another black couple, you acknowledge them. The fact that if you see three black people, it's like, oh my God, I've seen so many black people just now, today, (laughs) this moment right here. So are you guys feeling obligated and pressured whenever you see a black person and be like, yeah. And like you could be outside, like I'm just trying to get some bread. And now that I see you, it's like, I have to acknowledge you because I don't know how long you're going to be here. Are you staying here? Are you, like, are you okay? Can you blink twice? Are
4: you safe?
5: It's, it doesn't feel like an obligation. It's it feels like joy, right really. It's a joy. Yeah. It's like, yo, like, you're happy to see another you know, black yeah. person. Not like you're, like, deprived. It's just, like, it just feels yeah. good. And what happened was real, real funny. Like, you get used to saying hi to, you know, everybody out here. And I went back home for uh, oh, Thanksgiving. Oh,
1: man, thank you. I'm happy you said that. I'm
5: happy you said that. I'm Joey shit back home now. Right. You know? Hey, it was good. I'm like, what's wrong with why is he? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're I mean, just mind my Forgot business. East Coast. You mind your business? Right. We good, you know?
4: But <laughs> that's how you
3: and I met, uh Ambush. It was yep. that love. Like, yep. and it wasn't like we were in a space where it was all white people, but mm-hmm. it was still that we were gonna be like, yo, but then it was another layer of, oh, you from Philly? Yo. It was a wrap.
5: It was over. Yeah. It was a way you from Philly? Where? Yeah. Less. <laughs> what? What? Get over here, like. <laughs> Get over here. Come hug me. What you doing? <laughs> it was over.
1: Y'all had a West Philly handshake? Yeah. i <laughs> 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 like,
0: oh, The, like, the air jump, yeah. Yeah. I even don't know even know Don't even start with the handshake because that's yeah. definitely yeah. black men with the handshakes. You would be there for yeah. five minutes, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotta yeah, a little bit
1: like,
5: shoulder like, in yeah. it. Yeah, you know.
1: that's why the game, the, these NBA games, you know, they're supposed to start at like 5,
0: 530.
3: <laughs> it's like Got
0: You be <laughs> yeah. <Post that> <laughs> like, all right, and I love <laughs> <him>. <laughs>
1: Then they get to the white dude. All right.
0: <laughs> so Alicia, you've only been here for ten months, and you know I can at least speak from personal experience. Thank you, Althea, for hosting me the first time I've ever been in Portland. Mm-hmm. Complete change to a visitor. Like mm. from trying to figure out, do black people even exist here? Where do they exist? Where are they? To being like, oh crap, y'all got like black, 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 black. And you got businesses now. So it seems like you came in more on a tail end where like culture has been progressing. So how would you say, like, did you feel a vibe or was it still like a, what is going on here? Especially coming from Switzerland in a sense where it's the same, not the same, but it's elevated differently where it's, you're still scarce. <laughs> A rare find, a rare gem, if you will.
3: Um, I feel like coming here, um, I was a little culture shock still, which is weird to say because I was in a very white space in Switzerland. But I think I was culture shocked because I'm moving back to America and I'm used to Mm. East Coast. Like I lived in Philly, New York, Boston. And even Boston isn't the blackest city. But I think for me, I just had a culture shock moving back to America after being away for a bit and it being very white. However, um, I can say that I did fall right into community because I joined, when I moved here, I I was working from home. So I didn't have the Nike experience like you did when I first moved in. Mm-hmm. A lot of 80% of my interactions in my life and my community is people that's not even associated with work, which was, I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Um, shout out to Ian and Didstock because for me, that was the community that I fell into. Um, Ian and Amir with Didstock Run Club. Once I started going there, like that was just it. Like, You know, it was just automatically falling into, like, my people. And um, for me, I have a big spirit of wanting to um, cultivate a space that I would want to find joy in, whether I want to be in that space temporarily or permanently. And I think I have that spirit because I've been moving around so much. I lived in three countries, six cities in, like, the past 10 years. So I'm not one that's going to plant my feet and be miserable somewhere. I'm going to actively seek joy, actively seek peace, actively seek good energy, and not be miserable. And it's funny because people are shocked when I say that I don't really particularly like Portland and they're, they're shocked because they see all the things that I'm doing in the community. They're shocked to see that I have like a lot of friends and things like that, but it's because I'm in this mindset of actively seeking joy. I don't want to be miserable, even though I can easily fall down that rabbit hole of being miserable here. And I think I'm just so lucky and fortunate that I fell into that community and it just so happened to be a Philly community, you know, um, falling into Amir and Millie, you know, they're, they're from Philly. And that energy itself, I think, you know, you just start attracting people, attracting people. And for me, I felt welcomed into the community so much so that, you know, I've been, you know, in this space of trying to curate events, essentially. And that was perceived with so much love. Um, I have like local friends here who are from Portland who are also, you know, welcoming me and not kind of like, oh, she's a new girl. What's she trying to do here? But actually like wow, Alicia, like, thanks, you know? Um, Even some local people who I don't know. So I I hosted my first brunch club um, with my friend Alexis uh, at Jackie's last month. And I had a local girl come up to me who I don't know, but word got out really quick about this brunch. And she came to me in tears, like, you know, I'm from Portland, but this is the first time um, that I've been around so many black women um, in Portland. And that just that really just touched my spirit because, again, I guess I had an insecurity of not knowing how people will perceive me actively seeking joy, actively seeking you know, peace, creating things that I want here because I don't want people to be like, oh, well, she just got here. What's she doing? But I can say that the experience has been the exact opposite. Everybody is it's all love. Everybody's just pouring in, whether they're locals or transplants. And I'm in this odd place of connecting people. And I just got here. And I think that's like my silver lining of being here because I have my frustrations about being here. But I think my purpose in this space is tapping into that social aspect that makes up so much of my personality. I'm a big empath. And I think because of that, I was able to find a community and be connecting people, which is really cool. And I don't know, I think I'm having a different experience outside of work. And I always say I moved to Portland for community, which I really did. Like, um, you know, Kat, I wanted to leave Switzerland because I was missing not only my family, which I still feel far away from family, but also community. And I think because I intentionally moved here with an open heart, with that intention for myself, I literally got dropped into it. And I'm just so grateful because, like, I'll come into work with a tribe behind me. Like, I know, like, whatever might happen in the workplace, it don't matter because I got this tribe that love me. And it's, I don't know, it's just a different experience that I fell into. And I'm, like, grateful for it. And I think it, I would have a hard time leaving here. And I moved so many places. My therapist calls me a flight risk. But I think when I when I left Switzerland, I didn't cry. I wasn't emotional. And I was there for four years. That was the longest place I was outside of Philly. But the two places that really I cried a lot with, or the one place was Malign. And I know that Portland will be if I ever decide to leave. I know it's going to be a very emotional toll because of the people here.
5: It, which it's, is, it's all about the energy that you come with. Because they're yeah. like Ian will tell you, the portland original and transplant friction is real, yes. so it's, it's very, very I real. yeah it's very very yeah it's super heavy yeah. um if anyone is in black portland facebook group yes. you know like <laughs> i had to dip it? i couldn't do it and it? It, it actually led to me How doing bad, a, um it. i used to have a show actually i still have a show on cable and i had an episode where i had a bunch of transplants and portland originals come and just discuss things and one of the things that they said uh that transplants would move here with this aspect of y'all don't have this where mm-hmm. I come from is better da, 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 da. y'all don't have you know and it didn't really create like those bridges that you're doing organically mm-hmm. it just that you desire to have like that's what's happening and that's what's always needed to happen yeah. like there, you know from the outside looking in a lot of people are like there's no black people here there's tons of black people here mm-hmm. there were things there's that have been lot. done over the decades gentrification and many other things just like Scatter them all over the place and constantly, you know, attack any attempts to build Black culture, shutting down the jazz clubs, shutting down the hip hop venues. Like these were things that were consistently happening, still happening, still happening, still happening yeah. Even decimated. in
0: other cities yeah. too.
5: So then we have transplants that come here that might end up not living in Portland proper. You know, right. closer to where they work, and it's like, where's the Black people? There's right. no Black people here. You know, so yeah. the fact that you came with that intention and that you be able to been able to do other things that's that's remarkable. It yeah. really is. I think uh, the, a
1: lot of times people come here and they'll tell you what it isn't. They're like mm-hmm. Portland isn't this. Like how come it isn't that? But I'm but and I'm in the cafe. Uh, I'm not in there as much anymore. But being in the cafe and the coffee shop, people come in. And they're like, "Where's this? Where's that? Where's this?" I'm like, "Hold up. <laughs> do you smoke? Sure. There's tons of that. Go do that. Do you drink? <laughs> do yeah. That. There's tons of craft and this and that. Go find right. that. There's a lot of good food. Uh." Some of it, maybe some some people shouldn't be cooking that food, but whatever. It's a lot <laughs> of good food. Uh, really? But really, exactly. the the thing that to me is the most important is that there's outside. Yeah, and there's so much outside, outside really lot. close to the city. You can drive thirty minutes and go see two waterfalls. Not waterfalls, uh, <laughs> but you can go. You can drive thirty minutes and go see two waterfalls. You can drive forty five minutes or an hour and go see ten in one in right. one little hike. Like, and we're so afraid of outside but and like you can go snowboarding and all that stuff but there so many times people are just anti like let me tell you what's wrong instead of just taking a second it's and me. enjoying what it what it could be yeah. and and i think you both have a unique perspective uh did you get hired at the same time as timmy or around the same time
2: i think he started a little bit before me okay but yeah
1: um so i mean you'll you both know what it's like to work at nike or at nike inc um but at first everybody was, a lot of people who you were connected to were from Nike, right? Mm. And then for you, it was the opposite. It wasn't a lot of people from Nike. But what somebody told me a long time ago was you're only as big as your network outside of the berm, like outside of Nike. If something was to happen, you get fired, you quit, whatever, you got cooties. Like people don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm. And so probably as soon as you started to get out and see some other stuff, it felt different.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah, and I will say, like, I think um, similar to, I think, the experience you had, there's an individual here named Raylan who started PDX Black Excellence, mm-hmm. and um, his first event was literally, we we met through, like, a mutual friend who was just having a kickback, and we're like, oh, you're black, I'm black, <laughs> okay, cool, and we lived Check near us. each other, and the Check first us. event was... Um, It was uh, like a Black Panther, like viewing party. Like it was like five people. And like from that, he's just done some like completely amazing stuff. But like that community and meeting people like who are in city hall, who are like doing counseling, who are in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is amazing. And now I can not only like, I can also see how Portland works Mm -hmm. and see the perspective. Um, So I think that's also been like super helpful.
0: I think what's interesting is also when you talked about there's like sort of a beef between transplants and locals and that happens in a lot of these cities. Like I'm from New York and like I'm a real New Yorker and I'll talk crap about some transplants but I'm still gonna (laughs) kick it with them because like you're coming into the city with the same intention to love on our city and to grow in our city. Like that's what I want for my city too. So yeah, we can kick it together. There's some people that are still on the block causing the same problems in the city. So I can't just be like, Oh no, it's only for us here. But in that it also comes into the conversation about gentrification and gentrification. We also look at like, cause it kind of goes against our community. We're usually the ones that are pushed out. And then you'll see these, again, we can use New York. Why am I seeing a sky rise being built where these apartments are going to cost $4,000 for a studio on the same block as the projects? why are we not taking some of that money? And like, helping out our own folks in these communities. Mm -hmm. Would you say here in Portland, like with the influx of transplants going into different industries, as well as gentrification, that's kind of helping black people in Portland, or do you think it's hindering? Like where, where do you guys stand on gentrification and transplants in this city specifically?
1: Okay. Uh, I, I prefer, I like people moving in. I mean, this is, this is, Portland is a, is a a town disguised as a city. Like it's not that big, you know? And, and what a lot of like everything that's happened, even there's no reason that a city this size or a town or whatever this size should all be in complete agreement on, on a whole lot of things, you know, there, there should be, there should be so many differences of opinion. And that's what makes it town-like to me is that, you know, if you go to like a little podunk town somewhere in the middle of nowhere, everybody's, you know, you might see certain flags, you might see certain ways of life or whatever, but that's because everybody's there. They're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So many people here, I say they, you know, prescribe to, they subscribe to like a brand, a brand of whatever it might be. And everybody's just like fighting. What if we had the most days of protest ever? Yeah. But like after like day 20, what are we talking about, y'all? we don't need to get to day one hundred and one and i'm not i'm not I'm not mad. I'm just like, where's the action? Mm-hmm.
4: you know, mm-hmm. like we should
1: be pouring some of this back into mm-hmm. like take this energy and put in like man, I'm happy that you're pissed, go be pissed mm-hmm. in Congress, mm-hmm. yeah. go mm-hmm. be pissed yeah. in the city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go be pissed at your your fa- not your family, you know, have honest conversations with your family. But no, a lot pissed of pissed at do, your family. But, like, but you can be pissed why at, we at your family, using this terminology? But, but, but a lot yeah. of times what that ends up being here, if we go off of that passive aggressiveness, it just becomes like, I'm not talking to you anymore. And instead, instead of, of, of making a change, instead of having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoy outside perspective because people will come in here and they're saying like, this is tight. This could be more tight. Or this is I like what y'all are doing over here, you know. And a lot of times, solutions come from people being mad, right? Solutions mm-hmm. come from things being wrong. You make better shoes, you make better apparel, you make better whatever because somebody's like, this was good, but, or this was really bad, and it should never be like this again. And nobody else is gonna fix it. I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. And so, that's I I like the outside perspective. I I I welcome it, and and I also encourage people here to always get the heck out of here, and go see something else. And even if it's not leaving the country, just leave the state, you know, and, and just go, go and go experience something else and let that smack you in the face and then come back and be like, man, I got punched, but now I know how to bob and weave. Right. Yeah. And, or, or man, I got enlightened, <laughs> you know, like I, that was really great. And how do we foster that here? Because there is so much that people, I have never had more support than when I told somebody I wanted to open a coffee shop. I don't look like a coffee shop guy, but like how do coffee
0: shop guys look? Let's start there. Uh, well, when I first started, twirly,
1: mustache, small vest, glasses. small glasses, chest hair out. I don't know if you got chest, <laughs> chest hair to out. be out. Was that like just the, in
0: Portland or is it just the that's coffee? That's barista's overall. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But
1: okay. but specifically here. And we're like a city known for coffee. Um and like the coffee uh like third wave, like specialty coffee. Um and you know, the the industry didn't perceive me very well whenever I'll go to big industry stuff. And at first I thought it was because I was black, but I realized it's because I didn't respect the industry. Mm. I came in thinking that I was like, bah, Ian's here, let's go, right? (laughs) And everybody's like, what's an Ian? You know, like, why's your name Ian? Who is it, where are you from? And nobody cared. And it had nothing to do with what I looked like per se, but mainly because I just didn't understand what everybody else had already done in that industry and how small it was. And then once I did that, and once I was like, my bad, How do y'all do this? And they're like, oh, well, let me show you. And so many people have helped along the way uh, in a place where maybe we shouldn't be, I shouldn't be accepted, but it has been a lot of love. And, and so without something like, without outside influence, without all that, like it would be really difficult for me to, coffee doesn't come from Portland. Coffee doesn't come from America, Mm -hmm. you know? Like it doesn't even come, it barely comes from this, from this continent. You know, yeah. so how can we even, that you have to go out mm-hmm. and, and figure it out. So outside perspective has been important. Uh And I welcome and encourage a whole lot of it. The, should the rent go up? Nah. But is it going to? Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Do you guys feel like, well, Emerson and Ian specifically, do you guys feel like you're kind of thriving mm-hmm. off of that as well? Because in that sense, also, your coffee shop's create and cultivate community. It's yeah. like a community hub for everyone. It's very diverse, um, University of Diversity. Hello, shameless hey, plug, hey, I'm wearing hey, the shirt or whatever. Hey, no, but hey, you see yeah. that even if you're going and just grabbing a cup of coffee, like, and I've only been here twice and that's what I've seen. And then you've created a run club and then you're here now and you have your permanent place in the museum. And now you're able to bring in other black artists like, no, this is yours. Like, We're gonna showcase you and we're gonna right. get you guys here. So do you feel like you're able to benefit And with that, it's allowing the give back aspect.
5: Oh, definitely. Um, There are very passionate people here in Portland, Black and brown people that will tell you what community used to exist Mm. and how they would like to see that return. Mm. Um, Then you have transplants that come in that do come with that, you know, what isn't here. But then you'll have those that are like, I see all the beauty here. I understand what's missing. But more importantly, we're moving with a level of respect to understand what the people have been through. And I think that plays a huge factor and in informs us on how we move forward. Because other than that, we'll be moving around like, you know, bulls in the China shop. Like, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to be black in Portland. That ain't it. That's <laughs> um, The other aspect that's unique to Portland is white guilt. A hundred percent. Like, white guilt is here, B. Like, you definitely can come out here and thrive off of the uh, propaganda arm of Portland that wants the whole world to believe it's the most liberal place on the planet.
3: So a lot of that's happening for Juneteenth. Yeah. Hello.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it's like, okay. No, we aren't necessarily putting... You the replacing, right. You're replacing right. Black people with Black Lives Matter signs. We get it. Like this happens in a lot of areas where gentrification happens. Mm-hmm. But I think with some of the philanthropic organizations here, especially in art, in the arts world... Um, mm-hmm. And then also just some of the nonprofits that we're able to tap into. Like, listen, y'all trying to check this DEI box. Come through, pay what you weigh. If Black Lives Matter, show me how much.
0: Oh, show me you know, how right? yeah, much.
5: Like, and that's, that's really where I'm at with it. We're very, very, very fortunate to be um, in partnership with the Portland Art Museum and the way that it happened. Yes. It was never transactional, ever. And it happened preceding uh, the protests. And I'll always oh. mention that to people like, nah, they really you got down about with it us. Before. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. really got down with this. And they're not sitting here like, OK, uh, now that the world's opening back up. We're going to kick the black people out. No, they're like, let's talk about the three to five year plan. So like we're seeing things happen and they've been taking some hits too. like the Black Lives Matter banner downstairs is a permanent uh, replacement for a vinyl banner that they used to have up there. And I remember coming in one day and uh one of the uh, staff was like, yeah, you know, uh, you have to replace the banner again. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, yeah, this is the eighth one.
0: Eighth. So- wow. And how, oh. and how
5: long? So my, I think over maybe a seven, eight month period. So at that point, this is my first time hearing that they were ever replacing the banners and they were on the eighth one. It's like, so what was going on? Like they replace them so quick, no one ever notices their nice
1: having them dress in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dog.
5: <laughs> so what happened was you just had racist folk down here. Like, there's one photo we have of a dude in some slides holding a Safeway bag just coming back from the store. And he looks at it, tears it down. Like, recreational, casual racism
4: mm-hmm. in
5: downtown Portland. So it's just like Yeah, that was a good time. So we Uh, ended up we ended up uh so (laughs) I was talking (laughs) recreational (laughs) racism. So um we actually ended up gathering all the vinyl, because some of it's ripped, some of it's torn, sliced stuff. Some people took it and left with it. And so the pieces that we had left, I said, you know, I wanna I wanna create something out of this. Absolutely. So like I was talking about before, like tapping in to Mm -hmm. that visual side, the art side of me that I wasn't hadn't done in a while. I said, what if we just like laid these out somewhere? Like I took like an overhead photo and I was talking to my man Rob O about it and he was like, they're vinyl? I said, yeah. He was like, oh, it's easy. We'll make tote bags. I was was about to say, just make bags. (laughs) So uh, the project is called Stay the Course. Um, (laughs) um, Rob O, my man Kale, they came together. They did a lot of the, like the chairs and different things that we've already created here. And um, we're closing out our show uh, in uh, the July to November run, with those bags, so it's going to be tote bags, um laptop sleeves, and then a wallet bag, all made from the BLM banners that racist tore down. So here it is, recreational <laughs> racism. Your recreational racism <laughs> I has become fuel. <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> That's used for recreation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That mm. comes back and will you know benefit people of color and nonprofit. So it's like, it. there, there's <laughs> there's so many different ways to flip the energy here.
0: Reparations. Exactly. They just, it yeah. comes differently. You have to grab yeah. reparations by its horn. It's like, I'm making my reparations daily. Precisely. If I walk through right. something and I see a white person working behind me and if I had a bad day, I'm not holding the door. Yeah. Reparations. Like, you got to get the door.
4: <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what? Funny. You ain't hold me, I'm not holding reparations. Yep. Well, I'm holding yeah. yeah. I, go. I got to go. I got some place
5: to be. And my, um, the homie Kel was like, what do you think about price point for this? You know, do we want to make this, you know, make sure people accessible to people of color and i was like no i want to jack this thing up this are for, these are for the people that like to put blm stickers mm-hmm. on their car right that's 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 my target market mm-hmm. so now you can profess your anti-racism with this big and tote spend bag that coin and spend that coin yeah. like pay what you weigh man like seriously but I yeah really the the white guilt out here is uh it's a thing
0: I love it's that. People don't tap into it enough.
5: I'm like, that's real. Uh, nah, I'm tap into Because the they have a reason to be guilty.
0: Right. Yeah. We still waiting for our yeah. 40 acres yeah. in a mule. Be, be guilty. Son. Your daddy still.
5: Sometimes it's
1: overt, but yeah. <laughs>
0: I do kind of want to switch gears before we are close on time. And we've been throwing, not, not me, but
4: mm-hmm. the word has been
0: thrown around amongst the four of you. You've used the word love a few times, which is something that I wanted to tap into I in never, Portland. I never said that. Okay, so maybe me and Ian are going to say. Do you believe that black love can exist in Portland? One, and two, for black women, can black love exist being a new person in Portland, or do they need to bring black love with them to Portland to experience it?
5: I'd say black love has always been here. Um I cannot speak from a woman's perspective. I have a bunch of homegirls that have told me it's very hard to date out here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that side alone. But black love's been here. Um, uh, I think it would be um, it would be terrible to say it hasn't, because then you'd be disregarding all the black people, mm. the you know the generations of black culture that's been here. Mm-hmm. It looks different. It just looks different. Um, and again, it's been purposely scattered. Uh there have been traditions like anytime I see Paul Nall, like I I I go crazy. I love seeing that 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 brother. Um used to have Geneva's uh salon on MLK and just some of the older businesses that I know used to exist on MLK in Albina and even on Mississippi. It's like, yo, wow. Wait, this was Crips over here? all these white people that's amazing i'm celebrating crips but like what (laughs) so like black love black culture it's been here it definitely has been and um from a transplant standpoint i definitely understand how it's harder to find it and harder to feel it but um yeah as a black woman i'm gonna leave that alone uh (laughs) i i definitely i'll be uh i think any woman that knows me personally knows uh, Men are trash. I say it all the time.
0: I I don't know
5: know you got you yeah. have to start there. Yeah. Because society creates a yeah. space for us to wake up and just be trash every day yep. and succeed. Yeah. So from the mm-hmm. rip, men are trash. We got to make an mm-hmm. honest effort to not be trash. That part.
4: We're actively searching so, yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. things. Yeah. Be accidental
1: trash a lot of times. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Black women? Oh.
0: Or yes. does the black man want to no, nope, answer before no, the black no. woman yeah, take it away? Because you know it's going to be different on this Listen, side. I know,
1: that's, why, that's what I'd we, we be can like, like about. side of the kind I'm of life.
0: Like, we going to let you go. Yeah, this, we we have you can go ahead, uh, go ahead. Right. Okay. Before we be uh, like, for now. Uh, <laughs> what the real is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I don't think that it is. I think it is definitely possible. But I think a lot of it has to do with just a lot of it has to do with us being honest with ourselves in general as black people and just being like it's it's tough to be vulnerable and i'm going to speak to this again from a men's from a man's perspective mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. my mom has been single essentially as long as i've known uh us being out here and that we just have to be like open and honest about what we really want what we really want to where we really want to go what we really need um a lot of times it's like i just want this uh uh my 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 good friend amir uh amir morgan uh said he he learned from somebody about like just putting relationships into like the binary system so you just go like what are the four what are the four things that are the most important to you uh if the first things if the if number one doesn't align the rest of them don't matter because your most important thing is never gonna match Mm -hmm. so for me I really want children. I've wanted children since I was 19 years old. I thought I was gonna have kids by the time I was 25 and be done by the time I was 30, still have none. And so for me, as I date, I'm like, do you want kids? No? All right, I'm good, right? Like even I'm not even gonna be messing around, nothing. That's like the the start of it. And- Well, I hope uh, that's not the first question. I I'm, well, I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna be like, hey, how you doing? My name is Ian, you want kids? <laughs> Right. Like, I'm just like that. That's just <laughs> as we start to get to the hanging out and whatever, you know, I'll be like, hey, how you feel about kids? Like, I, and I'll bring it up casually, but I'm about to, but I'm like. Oh. Well, you paying
0: attention a research.
4: Okay.
1: Yeah. Check, I know they- you know. I, I do think that it's possible, but I think we just have to. It's it's a lot of the transplants of people who live here being cool with each other. And what he didn't actually say was that a lot of the people who are from here don't get along either. Right. And, and so there, there's a whole lot of that that we just have to get, like when people are like, what do you need? Like black lives matter, white people, whatever. Like, what do you need? What do you need? We don't know what we need. So as you ask, like a lot of times, if you like, how can, how can we fix this? Oh no, just leave us alone. Uh, and, and, we'll, and hopefully, we'll figure it out, right? We'll stop doing what you're doing. Yeah, just stop doing what you're doing. Leave us and, the hell then we'll, alone. and, you know, stop. If, if you suck, stop sucking, right? right. If you if you holding people down, uplift them. Like, just do the opposite of what you're doing. And if you're already doing the right thing, <laughs> keep, continue that time set. Yeah, right. and tell right. your friends, you know? Right. But, but for the most part, like, we don't really know because we haven't really been honest with ourselves with what we need a lot of times. And, and I think, you know, I, I always try to approach things with an open mind. I'll at least listen, whether it be business or whatever. Like I tell you, I listened to the podcast this morning and I was just trying to get the vibe of it. But then ended up listening to a whole thing about diabetes. And we've talked about diabetes oh, before. Definitely. And and I was like, maybe I really got to pay attention to some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've always seen myself as being cognizant with like what's going on with me. But, you know, I but maybe I haven't been as aware as I thought I have been. You know, and, but I couldn't get to that point if I didn't listen and actually listen with an open mind and open heart. Always
0: room and for an open improvement. open body, right? Yeah. Like,
1: just always room for improvement. And so, but you have to be open and honest. And I wasn't that for a long time. So I do think mm-hmm. that it is possible. Um, but,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, black women.
3: I feel like it's a different experience um, that black men have here than black women. Like, black men come here, or black men here are like, the prize for a lot of non-black women here. Mm. And those non-black women actively pursue the black men here. And I say that from a woman's perspective, from what I see, but then also having male, males, men, black men around me who I have this conversation with. Um, I put something in my story like a few months ago. Um, I had just got a shirt that said, listen to black women. And I put like, this is very triggering for me as a black woman in Portland, where we are overlooked, we're not valued, and we're just not considered. And the fact that I had that post, a lot of people were replying to my story, um, mixed people, like in terms of like locals from Portland, um, black women, black men in Portland, black leaders in Portland. And honestly, when I put that post up, I felt hella vulnerable. I'm like, oh, I mean, they probably like, look at this bitter black girl up here talking about she's triggered because of how she's treated here. But it was, op- it, it started such a dialogue to hear a perspective of a black woman who's from Portland. And it was like, girl, you're not along. I feel that. And then to hear like a black leader from Portland, a black man say, um, like literally agree and, and put in words that I didn't use outside of the undervalued and all that. And then literally actively say, I've never lived in a place, he's been here for 10 years. And he's like, I never lived in a place where um, white women overly fetishized black men. So to hear that made me feel great. Like, okay, I'm not crazy. Cause I come here and I'm like, whoa what is wrong yeah. what is this you know I'm a very vocal person and I'll you know I'll speak up about these things but it's always that um insecure level of feeling vulnerable like you're putting out how you feel and not knowing how people are going to perceive what you're saying but that moment that people are relating to that and one more thing is um I feel like black women we're very multidimensional. dimensional that, that's my favorite word to describe us in a sense that you know we can be into so many different things like I've been in a space where I've been meeting so many types of black women, like whether you're an emo black woman or a luxury black woman, y'all get my drift, right? But the common narrative that I've been having or conversation that I've been having with women here from all these backgrounds is how hard they're having, the, the, the dating life is very hard for them. And for me, it, it just bothers me because I'm a big empath and I think I can fix things. And it just makes me get so upset because I talk to so many phenomenal women who are, number one, just beautiful, like very interesting interest in life and all these things. And I'm like, how are you singing? Granted, I'm single myself, so I don't know why I'm like, how are you single? How are you single? <laughs> you know, but it's just it breaks my heart to have all these conversations with all these different types of women. And it's the same conversation Always, always. And to be in this, I, I remember when I first moved here and um, Kat came to visit last fall. It was my first time going out because I wasn't really going out like that. And Kat saw it firsthand where, you know, we we're from the East Coast. If we see a homie out, or not even a homie, a black man out, we're going to like start conversation. And that happened to us when we went out to two Wrongs. And this is like my, I'm still new to Portland. This is like November. It wasn't really outside like that. And we were waiting for the bathroom and there was a black man there. And he looked like a East Coast black man or whatever. We, you know. You know, you say hi to people. And he acted like he was afraid to talk to us. And it was a white woman right next to him, and he felt comfortable leaning into her to grab her into the conversation as if we were vultures or something. It was a very weird experience, and from that, I wasn't going outside anymore. And granted, I wasn't really outside. I was outside for, like, holidays and people's <laughs> birthdays. <Yeah. laughs> but it just made me so angry. I'm like, why am I even going out? Like, I don't care. Like, But then my mindset changed once my community started to really grow, and I was just going out to be with my friends who I really enjoy. But, like, it's really, it's really heartbreaking to see the dynamics here. And, um, you know, circling back to that black man who was agreeing to my story, um, we followed up the next day in person, and he was like, you know, black men are afraid of, of, of accountability, and they're going to take all that attention that they're getting in this moment. Maybe they were, like, not really p- – you know how there's different types of black men, like the nerdy black mm-hmm. men be like, oh, well, no, the black women don't like me because I'm or whatever the <clears> thing <throat> is. Can't be home, but you know, <laughs> Yo, y'all go first ahead, first y'all, go ahead, yeah. y'all go ahead. Yes, what, whatever that guess. narrative is, but the whole point of view that he was saying was like, black men don't want accountability. Ability. So they'll, they'll go after this attention that's coming after them actively. Or they'll go with this easier solution mm-hmm. that's not going to hold them accountable. That's not going. I don't want talk, to talk too much, but there's so many layers in this. I know. I know some white women who date black men, and then the black men manipulate them and get upset with them because they don't understand their trauma. But like you knew she was white. You knew she didn't understand right. your background. Yep. There's so much I could talk about here, but I'm gonna close it out because I know I, you need to.
1: I have a question. Yeah. Um, do you feel that from white women? Like, do they, is there like an energy toward you?
3: Yes, I feel energy toward, I feel like, um, so along in that season, that chapter of fall here, um, when I, when I was going out, there will be, I was, and I was going out with black women. There will be a wave of women, like, and I would feel the energy of like someone looking you up and down, like sizing you up. And I would get that from white women. Mm -hmm. Like it was a thing here. Mm -hmm. or I mean I haven't really experienced that now but that fall season I was definitely feeling it now I hang out with like you know I'm intentional of how I go out kind of thing now Mm -hmm. but before I was just going out just like introduction to the scene and just the cross-examination of um look at sizing you up and then like taking your vernacular taking your your style and that's being accepted from a black man but like we are that and you don't like that from us but you like it when this white woman is speaking like us is wearing earrings like us, is doing all these things. So that's, it's, I'm getting triggered. So.
5: I apologize for you being triggered in this yeah. Like, seriously, there's nothing that you said that I haven't heard. Yeah. And um, the idea of um, black men fleeing accountability makes sense in that dynamic. Yeah. Because by partnering with someone outside of your community, outside of your culture, the expectations are much lower. Yeah. Mm. And you can get away with all of the shit. Right. So, that's yeah. Part. Yeah.
2: Althea. Yeah. <laughs> um everything you said, everything you said. Um I see you. <laughs> um I don't know, this is a tough one for me. because there's just so many thoughts. And I think over 10 years, you don't want to put everybody in like one bucket. Cause I will say I have encountered some very genuine black men who have been looking for black women. Mm. And I want to acknowledge that. But I also think it's important to say there have been a lot of men who like, let's not even just get to the dating thing. Just don't acknowledge you as a black woman um do you feel protected by black men
0: in portland no okay
2: not at all and there's a big difference from even just going back home and riding the train and and genuinely men yeah. just trying to be men right and here i i we could have mutual friends and the door could get slammed in my face tomorrow by you like There's just a lack of accountability, Mm -hmm. I think. And I do agree that I think both parties do need to take the time also to understand what that um, journey is like here in Portland. Because even like when you say, for instance, children, I think that's interesting because like another thing that we talked about was... (laughs) um kind of like what does it take for things to grow and things things to thrive and it's like as a black woman if you if you don't have health care that that mm-hmm. knows your body mm-hmm. it, do you feel comfortable bringing a baby and into i remember the you world. brought that up the
0: last time i was here you were like i think for black people to strive in portland we need to see black in industries such as Medical. Why can't I find a doctor? And when you had said that, I was like, shit,
2: I wasn't even thinking that who's going to take care of your kids. Like, these are genuine concerns that I have not just mine, but I've heard multiple people. I have I had uh, one date. the guy was like, I'm not having kids here. He was like, I will not bring a black child up in the city. I was like, "Okay, good to know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So. Yeah, that's my two cents, I think, on it all is is there's a lack of accountability. There's a lack of understanding. I think both experiences, too, because I I will say, like, um, I think, y- you know, as a black man, to be in this space and be seen like that, too, that's also Very a sense of trauma, like a trauma. Yeah. Like, yeah. I completely right. see that. Um, but it's almost like we don't, like, lean on each other it's like we fight each other Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's that do
0: you feel protected by black women in Portland?
5: yeah absolutely i'm surrounded by black women that protect me um i try to platform them as much as possible because in my opinion like salvation of the planet depends on black women period Uh period there's no other way to look at it um and i when you asked if uh I think it felt protected by black men. Like, I knew that answer. Me, I'm like, there's no reason to feel. Here, yeah. absolutely not. Nah. The, some of the actions that I see, I'm just looking at dudes like, word?
0: In that moment, when you see actions done by dudes, when you're saying word, do you ever go up to them and be like, word?
5: Half of the time. Not, not as much as I should. Okay. Definitely not as much as I should. Uh, and usually those actions are something I'm hearing secondhand from someone else. But in those moments, if... I had the ability to, to affect it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, bro, mm, mm, you're not doing that. like, chill. Like, they still make the model of you that like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you can't be doing that. And and there's a ripple effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, granted, there are things to look at on both sides. Men and women are unique experiences here. But for me as a man, it's always the power dynamic. So, like, yeah, I think we are actively in the position as men to make sure that we're shifting the same way, you know, we want to have conversations around racism. This is a white person's problem. This is white people's situation to fix. White people need to talk to white people.
4: Mm.
5: Black men need to talk to black men about some of the ways that we're, about all the ways Mm. that we're treating our women. Mm. And we can't be upset with the way our women react to being treated Mm. and then say, well, this is the problem. My G, like.
1: Well, this is from
0: decades domino domino. Yeah. You, know I mean? like,
4: yeah.
5: you know so man yeah.
0: and do you feel protected by black women
4: uh,
1: when you first asked me it was going to take me a minute to answer the question because <laughs> I had to actually think about it uh, in the past I probably would have said no but over the last few years I realized that there have been a lot who have been protecting me and I didn't know that.
4: Mm. Mm. And,
1: and, uh, in a weird way, you know, thanks to the, you know, the name of the show, I feel like I might cry because, because (laughs) I, there's a lot of people who, as I get, you know, I'm out in the community a lot and I'm like, not a public figure, but a lot of people know me. And and so I'm, uh, I'm very fortunate that there are a lot of people who know me and who show love both to the business, but also to me as a person. Uh, like you know personally, all that stuff, but i don't I never realized how many people like there are a lot of people who who show love i did I did not seriously focus on how much it is black women mm-hmm. um, single with families, moms, young people, whatever. but if I really was to like look out uh there's there's a whole lot and uh and it is and it has been really important. And I and I did and I started to understand a little bit ago that maybe the way my outlook on it was mm. because I wasn't because I wasn't respecting that, and so and hopefully y'all tell me. But I feel like I'm trying to I'm uplifting as much as I can black women because I feel that black women are the most powerful. But and I think that's also why y'all's voice is muted mm-hmm yep. right so we're yep. feared the most yeah yep. uh feared the most for a good reason right like because because when y'all get that <laughs> spot <laughs> you know what I said then then it's then it's tables it's flipped you know whether yeah, it be but the changing. table doesn't have to get flipped right I mean like it's not even that it's more like you want to do that for real you're like, As I, you're I don't. Stuff done. Right, like, right, yeah, right. I don't, I don't want to do that for real. You're right. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, Or, or you know, whatever it might in, be. Yeah. the black a one would keep you accountable. Look, you <laughs> said a comment, whatever, right? So, yeah, I think whatever. it's y'all hold me the most accountable. I can slide, you know, uh, around if I if I needed to or if mm-hmm. I wanted to, but because I know that y'all are watching, I have to not do X or Y mm-hmm. or Z, right? So I don't, know, I mean, again, y'all can tell me if I'm lying, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that is how I, but that is how I feel. I never, I never noticed it until, uh, until, until over like the last, like, I would say probably two years pre black lives matter. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that that's the reason why <laughs> it popped up, but I, I don't even know what it actually was. I think I just one day was like, man, there's a lot of love out here, you mm-hmm. know? So.
3: And
0: I know you said no, but Alicia, do you feel protected by black men out here?
3: Um, it's hard to answer that because I don't feel like men, like all the men out here, the way we would feel on the East Coast. But I do feel like I have male friends that protect me, you know, um, just recently being invited into the founder space, the black founder space, where it's very male dominated. I feel protected and loved by y'all, Like y'all getting to know me, me getting to know y'all. I really appreciate that space that we have there. Um, so I can't say men in Portland, because I don't feel that way, but I can say like the individual relationships that I'm building with men here, I feel it. But on the flip side of your question, sometimes I feel like I'm very nurturing. Um, that's my my na- my nature. But I feel like when you try to be that way with black men here, they get scared and they think that you want to be their girlfriend or their wife. And it's just like, no, nah, I'm just trying to love you, love on you. like. Why you now exiling me just because I just I don't know checked on how you doing mentally today? Right, you know, right. and that's what the black men do here. They like they back off like they automatically assuming because the, because black women aren't really because of what we feel they think that automatically we want to date you because you black. Now I'm just trying to check on you, my brother.
1: Like yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I think we all we feel sometimes we feel judged whenever that happens, and we're like, man. it's, you know, get like, uh, you know away. You know, but but it's not. We don't. We but we shouldn't perceive it as judgment or as like we're trying to date or whatever.
2: Mm. I will say too. I feel like there's a difference between like the black men who have come here, uh, like for corporate specifically, mm. and maybe some other black men who have either like come for other reasons or maybe are more local. Um, just for me, like, I feel like in that corporate space, for some reason, there's more of like a, there's less of a, there's more disconnect, I guess is the word Mm. that I would use.
3: Mm. I feel like the corporate men, I feel like I try to, I feel like where you're getting at, but I don't want to assume that I know, but I feel like the corporate men, especially the men that are in the design world, they want to date an aesthetic, which oftentimes that aesthetic isn't black woman. They want to, you know, I, I feel that yeah. way a lot with, like, the black hype beast men.
2: Yes, and I also feel like, too, like, if you're a black man with, like, a corporate job <laughs> and you're in Portland, that's when the white women are going to go, like, ooh, yeah. the yeah, most. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, and, and so, yeah, I think with some other men, I think they're just more, just. It could still be a precondition thing.
0: Well, you keep going. Success. success. What does success look like? Right. And success looks like you have your trophy. What does your trophy look like? Right. What are you conditioned to thinking? That sounds like more the conditioned men. Um, and yes. the reason why I laughed yes. for the hype yes. pieces, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say their name because I do really love this black man and I feel protected by this black man. And this black man is one of my best friends. But one day I had said to him, he has a type and he didn't understand what I meant. So I was like, Let's go on our DMs. <laughs> look at everyone you sent me that you've been talking to for the past year. Let's line up their photos next to each other. Yeah. There's a certain cadence of shade, and you're talking to someone who is lighter than you saying this. Right. There's a certain shade that you're not dating past.
4: Yeah,
0: I see. Let's line them up. Is it a hair texture too? Shades, hair textures. Yeah. Body types. They all look cut and paste <laughs> yeah, my- with a different background in their IGs.
1: I feel like you're about to say something. Mm -mm. We're just thinking. Oh, okay. Uh, My one, my so my sister has two older kids, like I was saying. um, But they're five and six years younger than me, so they call me Uncle Ian. But they're my peers, essentially. Mm. Um, And uh, I had broken up with somebody. I don't know, probably twenty fourteen or something like that. And they had asked me, "Hey, Uncle Ian, how's so and so?" Like, oh, we're not together anymore. And she had said, uh, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, Uncle Ian. But that's OK. You kind of date the same person all the time anyway. And uh, and yes. I was like, what? And I was mad. And then I went. <laughs> 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 I
3: Rewinds was like, the tape. It's the reflection was like, for me. Let me reflect on myself. Yeah, it,
1: was like, it was like, you know, like Beth, Amber, Stephanie, you know, whatever. And I was like, I got to make a change. And, and to be honest, uh, probably a year later, I decided that I will no longer date white women yeah and yeah and so whether it's not i'm not saying like it was only black women have i dated black women yes have i dated other women yes but mm-hmm. but it was a a definite like i am not I'm gonna take a break like i got yeah that break could be forever yeah. but the and i and i've said this to white women and they've been like what i was like there's a clause. <laughs> clause in this contract i'm not doing it no more and because i just because i understood that there was there was a cadence and there was like a uh, something that I was—I don't know why I was desiring it—and I have, you know, done some therapy and whatnot since, and I think Ooh, I understand a bit. It but, but still, I was like, that ain't working. I gotta go this way. Mm. <laughs> it's like whoop mm-hmm. whoop. So
0: sounds like a black man taking accountability today. We love to hear yeah. it. Oh
1: yeah, try.
0: Well, guys, I know you have. I oh, was yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't know. She's like, I got work. She's like, yeah <laughs> <"Girls, I> gotta- <laughs> <something> to do. <laughs>
0: um. Well, first off, I want to thank you all for having a healthy, challenging conversation. Give it up for yourselves. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Typically how I end the show is I'll usually ask um, the guests to like name three songs that shoot and we're not doing any of that. Um, And then I'll usually ask the guests also to give some key insights, a word of wisdom to a younger black version of yourself. But I think for today instead... Can we do, for the men on the mics, what word of wisdom will you give to black men to protect black women? And for the women on the mic, what word of wisdom will you give black women to protect black men? And anyone can start. If like a like. literal word? Or like a like phrase? Like okay. mic drop, you know? Got it. You can give a rap, 10 bars.
5: <laughs> <The> 10 bars. <laughs> um, less talking and more listening. Like, that's it. Like, you don't know what you're talking about.
4: Mm. You
5: just you just don't. You have an idea uh, that you, you know, you got it all figured out based on your perspective, but we're not talking about your perspective. So stop centering yourself in these conversations with black men. It's just listen. That's it. I love
4: that.
1: Uh, I think I would say uh, to make sure that we have their back, that we have y'all's back too. Because a lot of times we get support. Most times we get support and we perceive it as something different. Um, and I'll say that's Men in general think that somebody's like, Hey, how you doing? That means you want to get it you wanna get down? No, no it doesn't. Thank right? I really wanna know how you're doing And there. So yeah. but but more than that, it's just like sometimes y'all just checking in to make sure we're okay. Uh and you and 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 out of respect and out of love and out of growth for all of us, we should do the same. We should reciprocate. So black
0: women? <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm just sorry.
2: I'm thinking um, they like y'all on your own. I yeah, yeah. you <laughs> don't uh, so know say, what to they tell, they tell you. We we tired. You you y'all. We tie it. Whatever. Be good. You Use hair grease, I guess. You know. Sketch quarter, whatever. Um, I guess I would say and now definitely having two nephews and just looking at men and just thinking like I know it's cliche, but like that is someone's son. Mm. That is like a human being that's just trying to make it out in this world. So like how can you? Perceived with care and love.
3: Mm-hmm. I feel like I like where you would go on ambush about listening because I think oftentimes we don't really get to get the chance to hear out somebody's point of view, um, and what they experience. And so it's interesting to just let them talk and hear about how this thing affected them and you know, hear their point of view on like dating and all these different things, just being there as a soundboard to understand and then come in with your questions and your your dialogue. But I do appreciate That um, Because I think sometimes we can be quick to, like, just attack and be like, well, this is why. But we take the time and create, that's the word, create a safe space for men to want to be vulnerable and share their point of view on different things
5: in life. And that, I feel like, a desire to attack is, just you know, us being defensive. Right. And Mm -hmm. taking a, like, you're still centering yourself even when you're listening and still making it like it's about you. Right. Like, one of the most impactful um, things I learned, just listening to women, especially talking about dating um uh, and, and of course y'all was like it's, yeah of course everyone knows that but just um friend of mine was like yeah we have to make a conscious effort about what shoes we wear on our first date and I was like what are you like what are you talking about and just like if I don't really know this person I need to wear a shoe that's comfortable enough for me to run in or a shoe that's uh heavy enough or pointed enough heel that I could use as a weapon and I was like what are you talking about? That's crazy. Yeah. Right. I
4: think right. it's crazy as being a like
5: New Yorker. I'm like, no, I don't
0: think about none of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah <I don't> <laughs> no, I'm good. Right. Like, so uh, I heard that
5: like four years ago. And as a man, were you thinking about what sneaks you're going to wear on a first date? You're not considering safety at all. Yeah. Completely foreign concept, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. That's really sad. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We
4: did that. Really, really sad. Yeah. We did that.
1: <laughs> you, yeah. Well, I, dude, suck. Do you have a. Uh, uh, a word, a word for us.
0: Of course, I do. Y'all ready for it? It's gonna be the best mic drop ever. You ready? Black men cry too is an invitation for <laughs> men of color to face their truth and unpack their hurt. You can follow us and tune into conversations bi-weekly, <laughs> monthly, whenever you feel ready to get your healing journey kicked off by subscribing to us on YouTube or following us on Instagram. This has been another episode of Black Men Cry Too.